The reporter was asking people out on the streets of New York City as they were doing their Christmas shopping the question, what is the real meaning of Christmas? Why are you doing what you're doing? And as you can imagine, he got a wide variety of interesting responses. But the response that struck me was the response of a young lady. He stopped and asked her, what is the real meaning of Christmas? As she was having both arms full of presents. And she stopped for a moment and she laughed and she said, you know what? Is it the day that Jesus died? And I think, sadly, amidst all the busyness, the excitement, the commercialization, all the plans that we have for the Christmas season, and a lot of that is very good, I think there is an element of truth in her answer, in that sometimes I think it's easy for all of us, isn't it, to get a little bit sidetracked, have our focus taken a little bit off, watch this much-anticipated day and season is all about. Today it is Christmas morning, and again, Merry Christmas. What a place to be in the house of God, celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And for many of us at this point of Christmas Day, or maybe even for our overall Christmas celebration, maybe a lot of the presents have already been opened and exchanged. Perhaps we have some more presents and gifts to exchange later today in the days to come. We may have some more family gatherings to attend and host. We may have some travel plans out there. Perhaps we're going to enjoy some more time off of work as well, and maybe a little bit of Christmas recovery on top of it. Some of us here today might already be focused on the day after, tomorrow, the 26th, that it's over, and being in the lines for the exchanges and the returns. And yes, often Christmas. And the real meaning of Christmas can get obscured by all the gifts and presents and gift-giving as great and as wonderful of a tradition and practice as that is. I recently ran across, and it had to be from last Christmas because this Christmas isn't yet completed, last year's top ten list of worst Christmas gifts to receive. Now, I'm going to just share the top four with you, and I want to preface my remarks by saying, if these are your favorite gifts to give or to receive, please, I don't want to offend you today. But this is what the survey says. Coming in at number four, the fourth worst gift to receive, a Christmas sweater. Now, some of us will call those ugly Christmas sweaters. Some of us like Christmas sweaters. My daughter a week ago said, oh, Dad, can you take me out shopping for ugly Christmas sweaters? I need one for a party tomorrow. So, But a majority of us, obviously, maybe don't like them. That's why it comes in at number four on the list. Number three on the list, the third worst gift to get at Christmas, sugar-free candy. (laughs) Coming in at number two, and again, no offense if this is your favorite gift to give or receive, a canned ham. And coming in at number one, although I was at a Christmas party a couple weeks ago and someone said, I love getting this as a gift. Anybody have an idea what might make the top list worst gift? The proverbial fruitcake. What a sharp group. (laughs) Now, as gift giving goes, um, sometimes as much fun as it is, it can obscure the real meaning of Christmas. Sometimes we're so busy in planning and making our lists and shopping and working ahead and finding that park parking spot at the mall, and the wrapping and tearing open of the gifts, that we lose sight of what the day is really all about. But there's no doubt that the shopping and the gift giving, that is a part and parcel of a lot of the joy for us. Another part of Christmas that we really like is the music. It seems like 
for in some radio stations, they've been playing music, maybe nonstop Christmas music, for about two months to get us in the mood. I also ran across the Billboard list of the top 40 Christmas songs requested by radio stations for last year. I'm just going to quickly run through the top 10 and see if you notice something in common. Number 10, Holly Jolly Christmas. Number 9, Feliz Navidad. Number 8, Underneath the Tree. Number 7, The Classic White Christmas. Number 6, Little Drummer Boy. Number 5, Jingle Bell Rock. Number 4, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Coming in at number 3, The Christmas Song. Coming in at number 2, Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Frozen is still going strong. That's hard to believe. And the number one song, and it's been number one for a couple years. Can you guess what it would be? All I Want for Christmas is You. Now, if... Oh, is that romantic? Said that. <laughs> if you came from another country, another part of the world that wasn't familiar with Christmas or our cultural celebration of it, or if you came, figuratively speaking, from another planet, would you have any idea, based on our customs, what we spend most of our time on at Christmas, the gifts we give, the music that we listen to, that this day, this much-anticipated season, has anything to do with a little baby, a baby boy born over 2,000 years ago, the Messiah, our Savior, the Son of God. Now, incidentally, what was the thing, one of the things in common, those top ten songs I just went through? They were all secular Christmas songs. None of them had the true meaning of Christmas. In case if you were wondering in the Billboard Top 40 where the first true meaning religious of Christmas song came in, it was number 27. It was Silent Night. Yet there is one classic Christmas song or carol that at first glance would not seem to have much to do about Christmas or even be necessarily religious or spiritual. It's not on the Billboard Top 10, but it's a song I think we're familiar with. It's a song that does tell the real meaning of Christmas. Any guesses what that might be? This is a hard one. The first two questions I asked you were easy ones today. It's the 12 days of Christmas. Now, at first glance, again, this old-time classic carol wouldn't seem to have much to not only do with Christmas, but even the Christian faith. But that was intentional. It was intentional by design. A little background on this song. From 1558 to 1829, Roman Catholics in England were not openly allowed to practice their faith and the religious traditions the way they wanted to because it was not the official state-sponsored religion of the kingdom. So they had to find other ways, as did other Christian groups who did not practice the Anglican faith, to share their traditions and express their belief. And the 12 days of Christmas is one example of that. Now, you may be familiar with the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. Now, if you get to the last stanza, the last part of the song, and it goes, and on the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, and don't worry, my present to you is I'm not going to sing those through to you. I promise that, okay? But then in that last stanza, you go through the gift of the true love on the twelfth day, the eleventh day, the tenth day, all the way down to the first day. Well, that begs the question, who do you think the true love is in that song? It's God. It's our awesome God who shows that true and perfect love in sending the ultimate gift, his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, what this day, what this season is all about. 
from our gospel Christmas text today that Matt read earlier. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. That was his mission. That's what this day, that's what this season is all about. Now for a few moments, let's go through the old-time Christmas classic carol, the 12 days of Christmas, and see how it reflects the true meaning of the season. It reflects the true meaning of the Savior, that faith that we confess, and how each of the days of the 12 days of Christmas lead up to the gift of that first day, that first gift of our true love, our Lord. Now, incidentally, again, we're familiar with the gifts of the 12 days of Christmas. I just saw in the news about two weeks ago a story where I guess each year there's an entity that does a pricing out of what it would cost in today's dollars to give the 12 gifts of the 12 days of Christmas. So in 2016 dollars, if you're going to give three French hens, two turtle doves, five gold rings, eight maids of milking, all the way down the list, it would be over $34,000. So that would be a heck of a Christmas gift. Well, let's go through the gifts. The gift of the 12th day of the true love. And again, remember, it was at a time where they were having to speak their faith somewhat in a code. What would 12 drummers, the gift of the 12th day, represent? The 12 drummers drumming represent the 12 points of the Apostles' Creed, that great statement of the Christian faith confessed by Christians around the world for centuries and still today, a gift of knowing what our awesome God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit does for us. Okay, the 11th gift, 11th day from the true love, 11 pipers piping. That would be the 12 apostles minus the one betraying apostle, the 11 faithful. The tenth day, ten lords of leaping. Now what in the world could ten lords of leaping represent? The Ten Commandments. Respect God's name. Have no other idols. Worship him on the Sabbath. Obey your parents. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't lie. A gift that God, that we would know from our God his will and boundaries for our lives. The gift of the ninth day. Nine ladies dancing. Nine ladies dancing represent the nine fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5, beginning at verse 22. And again, those nine fruits represented by the nine ladies dancing are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not only wonderful gifts or behaviors to try to emulate during the Christmas season, but every day of our life. They're gifts, they're byproducts of the faith, the love of Christ in us as our lives are led by the Spirit. Never perfectly on this side of glory, of course. But the fact that we have Jesus Christ in our life, the fact that God sent his Son on Christmas, that very first Christmas, and we have a relationship with him, means that at times we may be a little more loved, a little more joyful, a little more peaceful, a little more in self-control and patience because we got the love of Christ in us. Indeed a gift. The eighth gift from the true love. Eight maids a-milking. That represents eight beatitudes. Eight blessed are thou's that Jesus talks about in his great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. For example, he mentions blessed are the meek, blessed are the weak, blessed are the poor. Certainly that is not the way of the world today, is it? You know, the world doesn't say blessed are or great are those who are weak and meek and poor. 
No, the world will say, blessed are the boisterous, great are the mighty, to be emulated are the rich. Just as the message of the babe of Bethlehem and his birth turned the world upside down 2,000 years ago, his message and having a relationship with him by the power of the Holy Spirit can still turn our world and turn our lives upside down today as well. The seventh gift of the true love. Seven swans of swimming. Okay, that would be the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul lists in Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 6. And as we read through those, they're prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, and mercy. Gifts that he has given to each of us as his followers to share, to help build up the body of Christ as we live out our lives of service in response to that love he has first shown us. The sixth gift of the true love. Six geese a-laying. The six days of creation, reminding us that God is the maker and owner of everything. That is such a foundational and fundamental truth of Scripture and our life. And that each day that we live out in response to God's love, that we realize each day life itself is a gift from God. It all begins with him. The fifth gift, five gold rings. Perhaps I'm not going to sing it are the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The books of Moses. The books where God establishes his relationship with us. He creates us. He empowers us. He gives us this world to live in. And when sin enters in in the garden early on in Genesis 3, the reason that he promised Jesus, the reason Jesus, the reason Jesus came that first Christmas, it's there because he loves us that much. What a gift that is. It is how God established his relationship with us. The most important thing he made. The crown of his creation. The fourth gift of the true love would be the four calling birds. They're the four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They sing the song of salvation. They sing the song of the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The greatest love story ever told. The third gift Three French hens, faith, hope, and love. The three gifts that Paul talks about as he concludes that great love chapter of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And we're called to, by the power of the Spirit, abide in Jesus in faith, hope, and love. And the second gift, two turtle doves. The two turtle doves are the twin gifts of the Old and the New Testament. The gift of revelation from our God our creator, and our redeemer. And these gifts, days 12 through 2, were meant to all point to that first gift in this song. The first gift of the true love on the first day, which is, of course, a partridge in a pear tree. Now, what is a partridge in a pear tree? Is it this? No, it's not that partridge in a pear tree. Now, some of us from a certain generation would recognize that as Keith Partridge, right? I was showing my teenagers the other night, putting this together, and they go, I don't get it, Dad. And I go, I I fully expect it. So it's not that partridge in a pear tree. It's this partridge in a pear tree. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the babe of Bethlehem, the long-promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, the ultimate gift, that gift that keeps on giving, what this wonderful day, this joyous season is all about. 
And again, from our gospel Christmas text, Matthew 1, picking up at verse 22. All this took place again to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophets, that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And our God is with us today. Jesus, the Christmas baby, the Messiah, the Savior, grew up to die on a tree for you and me. God, in his grace, sent his only son in this world to save us, to be born in the most humble and unroyal of origins. The Son of God, the King of kings, came into this world with no majestic trappings, no royal attendance by his side. Basically born in an animal shelter, placed in an animal feeding trough, a manger for a crib. Jesus was born in such a lowly, unheralded, and in some ways obscure way for you and me. God loved us that much that he sent his only son the ultimate gift. From a God who followed through on that promise to Adam and Eve all the way back into the garden. He sent a savior to you and me. Because we need a rescuer. We need a Messiah. Every single person who has ever lived or ever will live needs that Jesus. That Messiah. That partridge in a pear tree. And God loved us so much that he sent his son and that son grows up. From those early days, from that Christmas morning story that we've been talking about the past two days. To live that perfect life that you and I just can't lead. To live that perfect life that you and I just can't get right. And to suffer and die the death that we deserve on a cross and rise again so that all who believe in him might have life eternal someday. It's the gift that keeps on going. The ultimate gift of Christmas. Amen? Amen. Sometimes around this time of the year, It's easy amidst all the excitement and the activity and the planning maybe to get a little bit down at Christmas. Sometimes maybe to get a little discouraged. Some will battle with a little bit of depression. We hear on the radio that it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. And there may be some Christmas seasons or there may be individual days and moments during any given Christmas season where maybe we're just not feeling it. Maybe it's the first Christmas, maybe it's the 21st Christmas since we've last been with a loved one, and it's just not getting any easier. Maybe the family gatherings and outings this Christmas just didn't go as planned. Maybe we're just not feeling it this year. The events of the world and the time and our jobs and circumstances just have us a little bit down. Maybe the gifts just aren't cutting it this year. But in Jesus, we have a gift. In Jesus, we have a relationship. And Christmas reminds us that in Jesus, we have that gift. We have that relationship. Someone who will never abandon us. Someone who will never abuse us. Someone who will never use us, never let us down. Someone who will stay with us and stick with us and love us no matter what we do or don't do in this life. Christ was content to be born in a stable so that someday we could have a mansion when we die. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what this season, that's what we celebrate today and thank God for amidst all the gifts and the family gatherings, perhaps some travel plans and cookies and fudge and music and all that goes with Christmas. And it's all good and they're all blessings. And yes, maybe amidst some fatigue as well. Today, we thank our awesome, loving God, our Savior, 
our partridge in the pear tree and we celebrate by the power of the Spirit what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. A Merry Christmas to you all. In the name of the Christ child, amen.